Welcome to the Talking with Tata podcast. I'm your host, Andy Schneider, also known as Tata. I'm very excited to welcome our next podcast guest, Amanda Warsofsky, the founder of Part Of, which is really a social platform for advice from people you've chosen to trust and listen to. And her goal is advice sharing. What we discuss in today's podcast, first of all, is just her background in finance and really social media and how she blended the two honestly before any other influencers existed. She shares with us her goals behind Part Of and the social platform that she is trying to grow. Right now she's in the early stages, but I highly recommend all of you to download this. And really just the struggles of having a business, having a family, and dealing with the competition in New York City. What you're going to learn from today's podcast is you don't have to be able to do it all to succeed in life. And I'm excited for you all to listen to Amanda and listen to her advice as well. Women can't do it all. Yeah. And that's okay. I think there's been this misleading messaging on social media that is women can do everything Mm -hmm. and do everything well. When you could try to do everything, but you just have to accept that you're not going to do everything well. You can still be proud of everything you are able to do and not feel like the bar has to be reaching perfection at, you know, a hundred things that you're attempting to feel success. Today's tip of the week is incorporating song into daily routine. And sometimes people get embarrassed doing this, but part of why I started these classes is to really teach parents and caretakers how to sing, how to read, how to just communicate with their child. Today's tip is really encouraging music in speech therapy and just music in general with your children. What we do when we use music is we give children the opportunity to use visual cues like hand motions or gestures, really this nonverbal communication that should be taught at a very early age. You're not just going to a music class at four months to eight months old to meet friends. That's an amazing benefit of it, but there is a function behind every class. And one of the reasons that we introduce music at such an early age is we want to reinforce concepts. For example, nonverbal cues with gestures, nonverbal cues with the words. I've posted a lot on my social media about books who that maybe have hand puppets or little pictures and bubbles that you can pop. You want to incorporate song into daily routine to encourage so many different goals. For example, Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. You're introducing new sounds. You are introducing repetition. One big tip I have for people is pause. Let your child finish it. It's repetition. So it's Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I, and then you pause. One of our other tips that we talked about is wait time. Wait 10 seconds. You might feel as though that's so long, but wait, let your child answer for you or finish off the song. And, you know, while you're also teaching them songs and sounds, you're also teaching them the importance of just eye contact and communication skills as well. So part of this tip is pairing a visual with an auditory item. If you are singing Old McDonald's in our classes, we like to have puppets or animals. And we'd say, and on that farm, he had a cow. And you would hold up the cow. Talk about that cow. Let your child tell you the sound that the cow makes. Those are all different reasons why we feel that songs and singing really build language skills. So your child throughout singing and just different elements of songs, they will learn new sounds, follow directions, wait time, remember new words, and most importantly, they will hear repetition, which will strengthen their language skills in the future. 
I am very excited to welcome Amanda Worsofsky, founder of Part Of, a social platform with a curated algorithmic advice from people you've chosen to trust. I know Amanda, I've known you for a while through my sister. You have two adorable daughters. And to be honest, you are and seem to be just someone that people go to for advice. So um, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you. Um, So why don't you start us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself professionally, socially, um, where you're from. Just give us a little bit of background. Yeah, sure. So born and raised in New York. My first job out of college was in financial services, which totally entered by fluke, had no intention of going down that path. And I was at JP Morgan. They tapped me in about, what year was this? Probably 2012 to start an Instagram account. So this was right at the beginning of Instagram. And if you think about what blogging looked like back then, it was girls wearing crop tops on rooftop decks at two o'clock on a Wednesday, sipping on a free drink. I was sitting behind a cubicle, working my ass off wearing a suit. (laughs) And the whole concept was we need to change our image and make our, our hashtag was literally make corporate cool. Although right now, you know, you go on Instagram and you can find someone blogging about literally anything. I really was a pioneer in talking about being a woman in the workplace, what to wear to work and showing that it can be really cool and powerful to have a big corporate job. So that was a really pivotal moment for me because I kind of had these two tracks that I was working on. One was this very you know professional corporate job. Then I was also introduced to the world of social media right when it was kind of booming. Right. And you, seem, me- you seem to be one of the first ones to been the blogger, finance, social media. I remember that. I remember, you know, you were really the first one out there to do that. Yeah. And I remember I, I started writing like every Friday, here are like the three or five things you need to know about the markets. And it was crazy how many people were interested in that. And I realized there were so many more people who were doing things that I was doing versus doing things that, you know, some of these big early social media bloggers were doing. Didn't make them not interesting or fun. They were very aspirational and I loved following them myself, Mm -hmm. but I was trying to create something a little more relatable. But for me, ultimately, I started struggling with infertility, which was right around the same time that Instagram launched Instagram Stories And believe it or not, you would not get that from me today or right now, but I'm actually pretty camera shy. And, you know, JP Morgan also had an issue with me. Like I wasn't going to like take my phone around the trading floor and like, you know, showing live images. So I had this moment where I was like, well, I'm not going to be that person. And I'm dealing with something so much deeper than here's a really cute theory blazer. And that kind of gave birth to a multi, multi, multi-year mission that I went on to create a safe place just to share and talk driven by advice rather than photos. You know, it's not that one is better than the other, but I think you're actually talking about things that maybe most people don't want to talk about. You know, I have a lot of friends and in this Tata community who struggle with infertility. And to be honest, you're one of the very few I actually see speaking about it. So I commend you on that. And then how did that, I know you're saying that that kind of led you to this community of really wanting to get into a business of giving advice to people or sharing advice in this um, world of moms. You know, is that what led you to start part of? Yeah. So for me, I mean, I went through so many challenges. Um, I also realized that whether it be infertility or anything, divorce, health issues, 
most people go through a challenge. Maybe it's even just, you know, you haven't really found your friends. Mm -hmm. So I didn't find that there was a place to really go and connect with others on these interests or challenges. And for me, the pivotal moment was when I um, was pregnant with what would have been my second child. And I found out at 20 weeks that it was an unhealthy pregnancy and I had to terminate, which was really heartbreaking. Even after going through years of infertility and experiencing a lot of miscarriages and other things, this just felt different. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, you know, I have a, I'm very fortunate. I have a very big network, but I didn't know anybody in my immediate network who had gone through anything similar to this. Right. My doctors had never gone through anything like this personally. Right. You know, they connected the operation many times, but what is it going to feel like? How am I going to feel after? Like nobody could really give me those answers. And I wound up connecting with a friend of a friend of a friend who had gone through the same exact procedure that I went through, you know, maybe a month before me. And it was a three hour conversation. She is now someone I consider a friend. And she was the first person I texted when I woke up out of the surgery. Mm -hmm. And I realized that nothing out there that digitized that experience. And, you know, that's a very sad story, but there are really positive things too. It could be you're pregnant with triplets. It could be you're pregnant. It could be you just graduated law school. I don't know. But there are so many big life moments. And there really is nowhere in the social media world that is connecting people based on these shared, you know, interests or moments. Absolutely. And I think that's great. You know, I was speaking with someone recently saying that if it's your personal experience or if you're passionate about it, your career is going to thrive. Because if you're doing something, A, that you love, but you're really using something that you went through, I commend you on that because you really do share a lot with people in the community. And I think you're helping a lot of people right now. Do you have a background in technology or design? You know, how do you create an app, really? I love that you asked me this question because I've spoken on many of these types of podcasts and no one has ever asked me that before. And Let me tell you, that has been the single biggest challenge I've ever faced professionally. Mm. So I did start this, you know, blogging stuff back in 2012. So I did learn how to build my own website, manage that website. But I have zero experience in technology. And it took me probably about a full year of of putting my head down and making a lot of mistakes to find the correct tech partner to help me build an app. Building an app is no joke. It is a incredibly difficult. You have to be very detail oriented. And I I learned so much over the past year getting it off the ground. You know, was that difficult having a family, children, and just really, I mean, New York City preschool and schools and all these things, you know, do you find it really difficult to focus on both at once? I do. But I thrive when I'm stressed, I guess. And I, I I thrive when I'm really busy, but I did finally recently leave my day job because managing kids, a full-time job in finance and an app was getting to be too much. But you know, you wind up when you're really passionate about something, you find ways for it to take priority. Mm -hmm. Like up at five in the morning most days. I find ways to be really productive with my time. When I'm on, I'm working at 150 miles per hour. And I think I love that you're so honest about that. You know, you left your full-time job. You're still very busy, but I think a lot of people, especially on social media, like to pretend like they can do it all and I'm superwoman, I'm superman. I, I was trying to like kickstart a campaign, but then I got busy, obviously, about how women can't do it all. Yeah. And that's okay. I think there's been this misleading messaging on social media that is women can do everything Mm -hmm. and do everything well when you could try to do everything but you just have to accept that you're not going to do everything well yeah or maybe you need help from someone you might need that nanny to say a few extra hours yeah absolutely and that's 
still be proud of everything you are able to do and not feel like the bar has to be reaching perfection at, you know, a hundred things that you're attempting to feel success. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. So tell us a little bit about what you offer on the part of app. I have it. I write in it as a professional and a speech pathologist, but what do you, what do you want out of this and what are you currently offering people? Yeah. So there's, there will be multiple iterations right now. We're just in beta form. So still looking for users, but really trying to work out all the kinks yep. development, you know, and there are many of them, but the real goal is, I would say there's one goal and it's to help people find organic friendships based on shared interests and struggles. But the way that we're doing that right now is it functions similarly to Instagram where you choose who to follow and who can follow you back. Yep. But instead of posting photos and videos, which we allow for, but it's not really the center of what the platform is showcasing, you're posting questions and answers. So instead of posting like, okay, here are really cute pictures of me and my family on vacation, you're going to post traveling with two kids and scared shitless. What do I need on the flight? Right. Help me. And then you're going to have friends in your network who are going to write back and respond. Now, unlike, you know, many of these conversations are happening, but they're happening in text message threads and WhatsApp groups, on Facebook groups. They're not saved and stored anywhere in a systematic way that can be searchable and used by the next friend that's going to have the same question when they are traveling two months later. So what we have is a very organized way to tackle this problem of there are, there is so much advice being circulated and making sure it gets into the hands of the right people. And then the second really big value add, Andy, is for people like you, connecting you with people like me. So when you become a parent, particularly, you know, there are so many experts that you may not even know exist. Yeah. And right now, Instagram is a huge driver of marketing for so many of these really small businesses. Think sleep therapists, children nutritionists, um, parent nutritionists, like how do I get my body back after having children? But there are so many of these professions, like your pediatric dentist, that them being really, you know, visually stimulating on Instagram and having 100,000 followers doesn't make them a good dentist. Yeah. So what we created is a platform where you could set, you can search pediatric dentist, a list of dentists would come up and you could say, oh, wow, this dentist is endorsed by 50 people in my network. This is probably someone that I want to connect with, helping people navigate this whole world of, of advice and finding the right experts. Absolutely. And I think you're taking a lot of the judgment out of it. I know that people can write in anonymously. They don't have to put their name. And I think that's what differs with Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, it's not just about, oh, look at me on vacation. I wore this cute dress and look at my amazing children. What I see, at least from this business that you created in this app, is that people can really be honest with each other, ask each other questions, help each other. But there's really taking out the, I guess, I don't know if this is the right term, but like superficial part of it and the judgment out yeah. of it. You know, I think that that yeah. I commend. I think that I struggle with Instagram because I feel like with my business, I have to be on and people want to see me. And I, you know, I don't really look so good every day. I'm in gym clothes and I don't want to do that. So I try to show the toys and yeah, and what's important. And I think you're creating a space that people can really take out the influencer aspect and yeah. really just talk and help each other. Well, reading way for a new type of influencer. So what does it really mean to be an influencer? It's someone who has influence over a large group of people, but that doesn't always have to be 
visually driven. So I have friends, I'm sure anyone listening to this can think of that friend who knows everything on sleep or that friend who knows everything on food. Within your own networks, you probably have expert-like friends who just have a lot of advice to offer. They may not be showcasing it on an Instagram account, but why can't they start writing about it in short little snippets where, you know, it will breed way for a new form of influencer? Absolutely. So Obviously, we're talking about social media and businesses, and I know you live in New York City where there are a lot of different businesses. How do you deal with, I guess, just the intricacies of starting a new business, but also the competition out there? You know, how do you make yourself stand out so that you aren't competitive with other people? You're really the leader. So I have visors up. I learned this when I was, I've always been very, very entrepreneurial. I was an entrepreneurial major in college. I started my first business in college, wrote a children's book in high school. Like I've just always been interested in that. I had an idea when I graduated college to create a booking system similar to an open table for like hair and nail salons. So if I want to just like book my, you know, nail appointments, I, I would that. hate going to the nail salon and there was always a wait. And I was yep. like, oh, I could just see when they're free. Anyway, right at this time, I wrote a whole business plan. Someone else, very famous, whose name I won't use, launches this exact business. Well, guess what? The business fizzled after six months. Wow. And I didn't do it because... I was fearful of the competition. Point being, I believe success in business is, yes, you need a really good idea, but it's driven more by execution. So I've had people throughout, you know, I've now been working on this for three years and I've had people come to me saying, oh, well, it's such a great idea. And I've had the same idea. And and my best response is just good luck. It's really, really, really hard. If you want to try to go build an app the way that I just did, go for it. It's hard. I prefer to be collaborative. I'm an open book. Anyone who's willing to work with me or help with me, I entertain all in every conversation and I'm really not too worried about the competition. Yeah. And I think that's great. I mean, I know I struggle with it. I think that just being in a class-like setting or even New York, Miami, Palm Beach, there's other classes out there and there's other people who are speech therapists or musicians and singing. And I just kind of remind myself there's enough people out there and there's enough people going to be interested in my business versus someone else's. And I think I love your verbiage you use, but just like you have your blinders on. You are not thinking about other people. You're going to make your own business successful because that's what you're passionate in. Absolutely. exactly. Yep. So do you have any advice for just our Tata community of parents and moms who are looking to start a business but have a family and are dealing with, you know, trying to get them into school and getting the reading tutors and just so many other elements that people maybe don't think about when starting a business. So I think the best advice for starting a business is just go for it. I hesitated for a long time for all of these reasons. Well, I'm going to get pregnant with my second soon and I want to focus on that. And ultimately, there's always going to be something that you're dealing with in your personal life whether or not you have children and it's never going to feel like the right time. There will always be risks that my best advice is just to go for it Mm -hmm. and don't give up because part of just winning in business, not that I'm there yet, I'm very much still in it, but it's just staying alive. Someone gave me advice recently that really stuck out to me. You know, part of is a huge idea. It's an idea that, you know, for it to be successful will, will require millions of users and huge reach and a ton of content. And when I focus on the end goal, 
I get very scared and paralyzed. Mm. So I've tried to like, I, I, you know, every day I come in, I write my to-do list and I just focus on putting, you know, the left foot in front of the right and just blocking and tackling the next things that I need to do and, and feeling a sense of accomplishment when I do that, Mm -hmm. instead of like being so caught up on, well, I'm still really far away from my end goal. Because if you are a parent or if you have another day job, or if you have other outside interests, like it, it is going to take longer than someone who doesn't. And that's, like I said, okay. And just getting comfortable with that. What you said was just the perfect piece of advice. Day by day, go slow with it. If you think about too many things at once, you can become paralyzed by it. I know I do. I get very anxious when I either feel overwhelmed or I think six months ahead, you know, go day by day. And I think that's great. When you talk about the end goal, what is your end goal? And you don't have to give us too many secrets, but where do you see your business going? What is your 10-year plan with this part of? My 10-year plan would be to own, you know, be the destination for advice on anything for anyone. And it's a really lofty plan, but I don't think anyone else is doing it. Yeah. I want to be the destination where, you know, you're traveling to Rome and you want to see who in your network has gone and where they've stayed. We're starting small. We're starting with the parenting community. But if we can get parents talking about things that are important to them, why won't they start speaking about other categories or other interest areas. So ultimately, I want to sit up there with, you know, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, part of. Yeah. And I think we could do. I think you can too. And I think that's awesome. And not just, but you want to be advice for everyone. It doesn't seem like you're going to only uh, direct your information towards moms and new moms. It seems as though, especially with your example of travel, you really just want to be advice for anybody who needs it. Is that correct? Yeah. And from anyone. So, you know, Facebook groups are a great source of advice. I use them personally, but the problem is you have to opt in. So you have to opt in and say, I am going through infertility or I am a new mom, you know, on the Upper East Side. Well, I have a bunch of really good friends in Miami. If we're all sleep training, you know, a 12-week-old, why do I only want to get advice from moms on the Upper East Side? Mm-hmm. If I'm planning a getaway with my husband. Why do I only want to get advice from moms on the Upper East Side. I think advice should be way more dynamic than that. Absolutely. And I was going to actually ask you, how do you differ from a Facebook group? So it seems like you just answered it. You know, you're more regional, I guess you would say, or how would you answer that question? It's more customizable advice because you're getting advice from anyone that you are opting to trust because you are self-selecting who you want to follow mm-hmm. or not controlled by an administrator. So I don't know if anyone listening has ever tried to post to a Facebook group. And again, I'm not putting them down. They can be very powerful and helpful, but I've gotten my post rejected before. Yeah, me too. So I try to ask for something and they say, no, someone asked for this, you know, a few weeks ago, search the answer or no, that doesn't fit our guidelines. Yep. But what if I have a question that I want answered, like, why does this one random administrator get to control everything? You know, there were also a lot of problems with Facebook groups with who the administrators were. There were talks of, you know, racism and not allowing people in the groups. Mm-hmm. So I don't like that notion of something being exclusive. Absolutely. We want to create a very inclusive environment for anyone because you shouldn't have to only get advice from these, you know, prescribed groups of people. Where can our listeners find you? I personally have already downloaded. I'm an active user of the Part of app. Um, where can we find you? Social media. How do we find your app and download it? So I, I push out a lot of information um, on the app through my my Instagram account, which is just my name at Amanda Warsawski. We will be starting an Instagram account for the app, but we haven't really launched that yet. And then you could download us on the App Store. So if you just go to the App Store and search part of one word, 
you can download us there. Perfect. And like you said, you are not um, banning people or posts. You're allowing everyone to join. You welcome all. So that is what I want our listeners to hear. I'm very excited for people to go and download you and really just be part of the growth of this business. I think it's really exciting to start with someone in the early stages and watch it expand. So I commend you for everything that you are doing. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to visit Talking With Tata on Instagram and on Facebook.